Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlo and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Oh, good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company on this glorious Monday edition of the show. It's foggy outside, but still it's going to be a beautiful day. Joining me inside the FCO Development Studios here in Upper Lafayette, as always, is the producer extraordinaire, Mr. Dawson Iserlo. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I am doing tremendous. I'm doing far better than a lot of our people out there today. A lot of mixed, probably a lot of mixed feelings around multiple programs in the area. A lot of saltiness was occurring yesterday on Mother's Day. A day that was supposed to be meant for honoring moms, I saw social media was what I would like to call and text threads in a salty tizzy on a day it was meant for moms and celebration was spent being salty angry depressed and upset all on the lord's day on a sunday well brunches had all concluded by the time the saltiness (laughs) fair point even though our mother's day celebration was church taking my wife out to brunch, and then we did the three stops at Grandma's for Mother's Day. My mom, then my mother-in-law, and then my wife's stepmom. So we got home around 6.30 <laughs> after the day of celebrating moms. And while this was going on, Woo! Y'all were fired up. And we're going to get to it all this morning. Raging Cajun softball fan, not happy. Not happy. Upset. Stunned. That humans involved with the NCAA would somehow screw them over. Well, you shouldn't be. We'll get to NBA fans. Upset that the dubs... Did not advance, and the Lakers are back in the conference finals. Some of those fans are Pelicans fans, by the way. Philly fans upset that their team choked away and let Jason Tatum beat them up. We'll get that, too. We're going to get to all of that. All the things that you may be upset about, we're going to get to. Not to worry. But we're going to start off with the thing that got many of you fired up. Many of you to use colorful language on social media, and that, of course, is the LSU baseball team. Dawson. We talked about this. We've talked about this a lot. 
And I feel like we're having the same conversation every Monday now for the better part of the last three weeks. LSU has maybe the best lineup in the country. LSU has possibly the best pitcher in the country. And LSU doesn't have enough pitching. That's what we've been saying now for almost a month. I've said it for longer than that. But this has been the story that we've been talking about over and over and over again. And the narrative has been, oh, they'll figure it out. They can just out-hit opponents. It's not a big deal, RP3. Okie dokie. After giving up a total of 25 runs in a three-game series win over Alabama two weekends ago. They lost their first series last weekend, the weekend before last, rather. After Skeens pitched on Friday night, pitched him to a shutout, and then the wheels fell off, and then they got clobbered by 10 runs, giving up a total of 20 runs in the last two games of a series loss to Auburn. But you're thinking... D'Lo, Auburn's better. Auburn's better than we thought they were. They're an improving team. And it's on the road, Dawson. It's only their first series loss. Everything's going to be A-OK. Well, after mercy ruling Mississippi State in the opener, at home, inside Alex Box Stadium, by the score of 12 to 1, Dawson. What did the LSU Tigers do over the weekend? What did they do on Saturday, Sunday? Well, you know, the funny thing, too, is so I was at the baseball game for you all covering the Cajuns who got a big sweep. We'll get to that. Um, yes, we will. And early on, there was there's always some chatter about, you know, scores around the press box. Oh, this, this score in the Sun Belt, this score in the. And somebody said, oh, LSU's. Uh, they're they're down early, whatever. And then I said, "Wow, that, that you know, I I I was the next one to give update." I said, "Wow, they're up thirteen to four. They took care of that, huh?" I said, "Yeah." And then about third, so I think I think honestly, collectively, the press box just kind of stopped checking that score. And then I said, uh, "Hey, wow, uh, it's thirteen to eight now." And everybody said, "Wow, that's that's crazy." And then someone said, "It's thirteen to twelve now." And we said, "Oh." Okay, and then it was thirteen to thirteen, and then at that point the Cajuns game ended, and I and I got on the ride home, and I, I caught a little bit of the broadcast on the way home. But yeah, that is um, that's not what you expect there. I believe, uh, you know, and I heard the LSU broadcast searching for stats, saying that they uh, they as of as of the what I heard, they thought it was the biggest lead given away in, in LSU baseball history. I don't know if they confirmed that afterwards. I heard Bill Franquez on the broadcast as well say that it may have been the largest blown lead in an LSU baseball game in 35-plus years, if not longer. Um, Woof. Like, like the bullpen had another meltdown, just like it did. It didn't perform well on Saturday. And you score 13 runs and you lost a game to one of the worst teams in the SEC. Mississippi State is not a good ball club this year. They're not good. 
You're at home. And you scored 13 runs. This isn't five runs, Dawson. This is 13. 13 (laughs) runs. And somehow, somehow they found a way to lose a game where they scored 13 runs. I know I've done a lot of calm down. It's okay to tell you, but I, you know, this this is a Monday in which you can be a little concerned. I'll allow that. I, um, it's it's gotten past the point of, and I mean, I've also my stance for the past few weeks has been it's not going to matter. It's about how well you can pitch in three days. That's still somewhat true, but I think um, you got to figure some stuff out, and um, you know, it's not a great time to be trying to figure it out. To be honest with you, the regular season ends this week, right? So um, yeah, not. Not optimal, right? Uh, not optimal. And look, th- this follows on Saturday as well, right? Because your boy pitched pretty well. The guy that you think could be the guy Typhoid, that could, yeah. Yeah, could, could eat up some innings. And he pitched, he pitched pretty well. But in that game, the bullpen gave up eight runs, nine hits over three innings. Once again, the LSU bullpen in Saturday's game, eight runs on nine hits over three innings. One off of Ackenhausen, five off of Thatcher Hurd. Oh. Two off of Cooper. Just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And you're like, they can't have back-to-back days. Were they're that awful coming out of the bullpen, can they? Well, glad you asked. Five runs off of money, Ackenhausen and Collins in the top of the seventh. The Tigers were up 13-4. to four. They were up at home in a rubber match in an SEC series, up 13-4. to four. And lost the game. Lost the game. Oh. And. You're supposed to be playing your best baseball at the end of the season. You're supposed to have figured things out. See the Raging Cajun baseball team which has seemingly turned a corner in the last two weeks. They made some changes. Something clicked. They're playing great baseball right now. And we'll get to them. But what are you doing? Like, the best lineup in baseball, they gave you 13 runs. 13 runs. Let's say I say Saturday was just a fluke game because the bullpen had a bad night and the lineup didn't generate enough runs because they only scored four. Okay, that happens. Baseball happens, right? Baseball happens. We talk about it all the time on this show. That's baseball. All right. What are the Tigers going to do when when Paul Skeens isn't pitching? Tell me. What are they going to do? They're going to wait for the next time he pitches. You can't win a national championship that way. You may not even be able to win a Super Regional that way. So where we thought, you and I, Dawson, we talked about this, SEC tournament really doesn't matter for LSU because they're still going to be a national seed. 
that doesn't matter. They'll win a regional because they have enough talent to win a regional. Yeah, yeah. But I then see. we went we <clears throat> to a super. Now we're talking something a little bit different because you kind of hinted at this and so did I. But I feel a little bit more concerned about them getting to Omaha because to win, like, like they're proving that they're dropping these games. So they'll throw skeins in the first game of a super regional, right? Okay. okay. Let's just go. That's a win. Do you have faith that LSU can win one of the next two games with the bullpen and the rest of the pitching staff? I, I still feel, I think I would be still more than 50% confident that LSU could get that job done. But they're not, What's the? where's the pitching going to come in to help them win in Omaha? Well, okay, so another thing I'll bring up, and, and it's just something to think about, and, and we'll see how, and, and I don't know if Jay Johnson's been asked this, it's probably too early to ask him, but there's been a, a popular idea about that a regional wouldn't be concerned because they'll pitch off schedule. They won't have to throw skeins against a four seed, and they'll wait and throw them in game two because I think also some of that baked in was the idea that they were going to be the number one or number two overall national seed to where they'd have a usually a pretty weak four seed, right? A conference champion from a very small conference that probably doesn't have much of a shot. But I kind of brought up the idea like, look, if if you run into a regional against a team like, let's say, the McNeese Cowboys, who has Grant Rodgers and they throw their ace, and you try to go off schedule and not throw skeins in game one, like, you could be in trouble in that game. And then again, like, do they have enough pitching to get out of a loser's bracket of anything? Uh, You'd then throw skeins in game two, you'd feel good about that, and then game three and four and five of that regional, it would just, I don't know. So, that's something to think about, but... Yeah, I still do think in a regional play. Look, I think there's something else, and and, and I'm not a... uh, I, I think... I'm not an SEC... Ride or die, right? I will uh, certainly not go on that hill. But I will say the SEC is the premier baseball conference. It's not close. And I do think there's a little something to be said for the fact that they've been in the midst of an SEC grind for so long now. I think it almost loosens you up when you get to regional play and you're going to see some lineups that aren't as deep as some of the lineups you're facing right now. Even Mississippi State yesterday, who is obviously not a very good team this year, not having one of their better seasons, not their national championship type team. It's still an SEC lineup that has a ton of talent in it, so I think that plays into it a little bit. That's not an excuse for the way they're pitching. They need to be better. But I think when you get into regional play and you finally see some lineups that aren't that I think that regional deep, play, is they'll be fine. You may I may have to hold your breath a little bit, but you'll be fine. But, but once you get to supers, because you're going to be facing off with what? Another really, really good team. Sharif Isaac is the one that tweeted this out, so I have to give him credit. Uh, a great way of describing the Tigers' relief pitching. He tweeted this out. That's three straight weekends the relief pitching has been beer league softball bad. I, I still don't know why you pulled Coleman like you did yesterday because he was pitching well, and I know he got himself in a little bit of a jam there, but he only pitched two and two-thirds. And you brought in Guidry, and then things started going south. I think they're still trying to take it a little slow with Coleman, and I understand that. He's coming off UCL injury. Correct. I, I think with him and, and Ty, you can you have two guys that can get you a win, probably, if you combine them together, right? Well, that was that was going to be my next thought. Like, um... If you have Ty start and, and have Coleman come in to be the guy that eats up another two or three innings. And just try to fully piece together the third game. But again, like in a super, I mean, maybe you can go with that approach. But like, do you, th- you know, if they go up 1-0 in a regional, 
how do they then do they Oof. do they try to go all in to win game two, right? But then if you don't win that game, it's the it's the and Foot and I have talked about this, right? Like and we talked about it with the Lakers with Anthony Day, and it was like, well, if you're gonna go all in in this game, you better win it now because you're gonna set yourself up for some struggles. Now it worked out for the Lakers; they got it did not done work in game out for six. Philly. But yeah, it's 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 an interesting thought because you got two guys to maybe bridge the gap, but Ooh. maybe they have to take the Matt Deggs approach and and pitch everything by committee. Just kind of have not have set plans and just figure it out as you go. We'll see. In yesterday's game, they had six different relief pitchers give up runs, Dawson. Six. No, no one could do their job. Like, like that's the that's that's the thing where you go, no one could do their job. The only person that didn't give up a run that came in relief was Dudden, who only pitched a third of an inning. That was it. I bet Dylan Cruz pitched in high school, probably, huh? Okay, can can Trey Morgan pitch? Just ooh. On average, LSU is allowing over eight runs per game in league play when Paul Skeens isn't starting in the last three weekends. That number has ballooned to now over 10 runs per game. The offense is elite. The offense is elite. We've talked about it. The best lineup in college baseball. But the relief pitching is trash. It's gotten worse. Not better, guys. It's gotten worse as the season has progressed. And they're also too, a little too sloppy in the field. Their defense is not elite. Don't have elite defense. Have awful relief pitching that could prove to be the Achilles heel of this LSU baseball team. They'll wrap up the regular season with a home game tomorrow night against McNeese. And then a three-game set at Georgia before gearing up for the SEC tournament in Hoover. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. Raging Cajuns baseball team. Some doubted they would even make the conference tournament just a few weeks ago. Well, they just went out there and got themselves their second straight sweep, this time against Texas State, improving their bids not only to get a top four seed for the conference tournament, but some people say put themselves back in the conversation for an at-large berth for an NCAA regional. We'll dive into that next right here on RP3 and Company. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We were so banged up, and we had our issues on the bump, and finally got somewhat healthy, right? We're still without a couple of guys, and it's going to remain that way for the rest of the year. But nothing you can do about that. Uh, But we finally got some guys healthy that we needed to be healthy, and uh, did. had our head down just grinding. And look, if you're not running away with a championship or, or tied or a game back, there's no need to look at anything and let that sneak up on you. And that's kind of what we've done. And uh, I know we've put ourselves back in the at-large picture. There's no doubt about it. They came in here with a 40-something RPI. A sweep is going to be gigantic. And a good showing next weekend in the tournament. 
I was jamming to the music in the background. I couldn't quite tell what it was, but people were happy. There was some clapping going on. That's Matt Deggs, Raging Cajun baseball coach. Not only did his team defeat Texas State, who was previously third in the standings for the Sunbelt Conference and had an RBI, uh, RPI in the 40s, they swept them. And now, as we stand with only three games to go in the season for the Raging Cajuns, I look at the standings. When some people said a few weeks ago that they wouldn't even make the conference tournament, well, that's that's not that's not realistic. It wasn't realistic when it was uttered a few weeks ago. They're seventeen and ten now in conference play, thirty-five and eighteen overall. They've won, of course, three straight. Look, they are going to take on the best team in the conference, head and shoulders, no question. Southern Miss, by the way, has won thirteen straight games. So, the Golden Eagles are pretty good. Remember their team that went to the Super Regionals last year? Yeah, they're pretty good. They're not going to win the regular season title, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, but now they have placed themselves firmly in a spot to have a position to be a top four seed, definitely a top six seed, heading into the final three games of the season. Not to mention Dawson, that they now have put them uh, put themselves in a position. Kendall Rogers suggests that the Cajuns are now back in the mix for a possible at-large berth for the NCAA regionals. Now, winning a game in Hattiesburg would help with that, right? And winning a couple games in Montgomery, home of the Biscuits, you, you would help. A, you need a series win in at Southern Miss, if not a sweep, and then a very deep run in the tournament. I mean, it's it's not like this just made them right back in they're still on the outside but it, it puts it put them it in back the back into possibility yes puts them in the mix and once again it's baseball anything can happen I would argue you could probably win one game and if you make a deep tournament run you could still maybe go in once again needing help from others some other things would have to go your way but that's looking down the road what happened is that they took down one of the better teams in the Sunbelt Conference and did so in a big way. And a huge key on Sunday and a huge key for over the weekend is that the Cajuns did a very nice job of never letting the Bobcats come in there and get the big hit, and Matt Deggs talked about that afterwards as well, after yesterday's game. That was the key to the entire series is I don't know, Kev, that they ever got the big hit. Uh, this weekend and uh, we, we did a tremendous job with runner at third less than two uh, leaving two out base runners on base as well as we've done all year and and uh, I think our ballpark had something to do with that they're they're used to their ballpark and uh, they, they play extremely well this ballpark played real big testament you know to Jews ball in the last inning there uh, it played big this weekend it's that time of year where you get a heavy south wind and uh you know, a bunch of balls got. So, even with, let's say they go to Southern Miss and they lose all three games. Let's say they get swept. That would drop them to 17-13 and 13 in conference play. 
they're still making the conference tournament because Old Dominion, Georgia State, and Georgia Southern all 14 and 13. We can look at the schedules and see maybe if they're playing one each other. And they are. Georgia State plays Old Dominion. There you go. So one of those teams is not going to be only have 13 losses. So they're in. That happened over the weekend, by the way. Uh, also, they got some help with South Alabama inexplicably. Um, not a good year for the baseball team over in Mobile. But they're in the conference tournament. Now they have a position, a, a great opportunity to get themselves a top six seed. That's right. That's the, that's, that's the realistic goal. You want to be top four. You'd love to stay in third place. We know this. Hell, they'd love to be able to go into Hattiesburg and take two or three. But realistically is, okay, let's get a top six seed. Because, again, with the new format, well, I guess somewhat new, um, seven is going to play ten and eight's going to play nine on the first day of the tournament in single elimination, essentially play in games. It's so, kind of like basketball. Yeah, but then, you know, so you have the double elimination format, but that doesn't start until the second day. So if you have to play in one of those Correct. seven, ten, eight, nine games, you have to play essentially a play-in game. That's what you really want to avoid. Of course, you have to use pitching in those games as well. So, like, I mean, it's a big, it's a big advantage to be top six. I, I don't see, I'll say, you know, bold statement of the day. Woo! Uh, Coming in 632 with the bold statement. A Let's team go. seated 7 to 10 in the Sunbelt tournament will not win the tournament. I will say that right now. No, the, team, the teams are too good to, yeah. to uh, are a top and, half of them. Yeah, and Southern Miss, by the way, team you're going to play to Hattiesburg to play, has won uh, 13 games in a row. Correct. As stated earlier in the segment. Um, thank you for paying attention. You were there for two of the three games. What's different about this team? Well, offensively, I, I think this has been in the works for a while. The lineup lengthened. Again, when DeBarge came back and Connor Higgs uh, continued to emerge and C.J. Willis got back from injury and Julian Brock got healthy, like the lineup is deep and it and hasn't Max been a is problem. Beginning Max to is on fire right yep. now. Um, you know, conversation for another day. I don't like Max in the leadoff spot, but it looks like that's where he's going to stay. But it's okay. Um, you know, they don't ask. Coach Dex doesn't ask my opinion. He doesn't need to. Um, pitching wise, the, I think the biggest thing is is they've just yeah they've like Coach Dex mentioned they've they've gotten big outs in big spots and you know like I thought look Friday night Jackson Nezu was fantastic. Um, he was elite. Like it was um, that was that was dominant type Friday night pitching, which is something you haven't seen a whole lot this year. And he's finally seeming to put it together. Um, you didn't need much out of the bullpen because of how good you know Nezu was. Then on Saturday, Fluno, much of the same. Carson Fluno was outstanding as well. So you got two great starts, which is not something you've been able to see. Um, Sunday, look, I didn't think they pitched particularly well at all, but Texas State just couldn't get the big hit. That's And that, that was the story. They left 15 runners on base in that game. I mean, they left the bases loaded a couple of times. They left runners on second and third. Um, and and I, kept, I actually said it throughout the game. There was a point where it was 3-1 to one, Texas State, and I said it should be 8-1 to one right now. Like Texas State should blow this game open already. And they never did. Cajun's offense finds a way. Texas State hands them a bunch of free passes, walked a bunch of guys, and walked runs in. Um, Texas State went to their best closer in the sixth inning, and he just didn't have it. He walked every battery faced and hit one. So um, overall, I think the lineup is at a spot where it's very dangerous, game in and game out. That's not changing. And the pitching's been better. And um, look, you got one guy in Cooper Rawls who you know you can rely on for sure. Um if Nezu and Fluno look like that the rest of the way, then you start to open up your opportunities, you know. And, and look, I mean, it doesn't. Mm. There's some guys who haven't been there with injury, right? Toit, McGeehee, and those guys. And you know, I don't, I don't know if you're going to see those guys again. If you, you know, if you do, it'd be a bonus. But the guys you have right now, P 
pitching the way they are, I think open up some opportunities for you to do what you want to do. Right. And, and once again, look, Southern Miss will be favored, right? And and Southern Miss is the best team in the conference. And we kind of anticipated that before the start of the year. So we're not necessarily surprised here. But the fact that the Cajuns have turned it around towards the tail end, have put them out, put themselves in a position to be a top six seed for the conference tournament. Look, you go into Hattiesburg, maybe you get one. Maybe you take the Kevin Foot approach. Just don't get swept. If they go into Hattiesburg against one of the best teams, the best team in the conference, one of the best teams in the country, and they they're able to compete and steal a game, that's a win. Like like, like because then you have locked up your goal of being a top six seed, maybe even a top four seed for the conference tournament. And then anything can happen, right? As we saw last year with the Raging Cajuns, who no one gave a shot to win the conference tournament. What'd they do? They went in and won the conference tournament. Now, I know Southern Miss has now been added to the conference. (laughs) So I get it. But credit Matt Deggs and his staff and those guys, those fellows, those young men for turning things around. Trying to finish strong. We got to take a timeout. When we return here in RP3 and company, we're shift gears to softball. McNeese, Louisiana, LSU all going to regionals. But people are not happy about it. We'll share that with you next, right here on the game. This is RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, man, conference tournaments wrapped up. And then we had Selection Sunday yesterday. The McNeese Cowgirls won the conference tournament yet again. Man, they had some good pitching over the weekend there in Lake Chuck and went in in dramatic walk-off fashion with a home run to win the title game. Cowgirls, they clinched their spot into an NCAA regional. They would have been an at-large anyway, even if they would have lost the title game. Probably, but you never know with the committee. We'll throw that in there. Yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and throw that out there. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns at Lamson Park. Take care of business. Cream of the crop of the Sunbelt Conference. They punch their ticket. Then they hang out. They put in some nice little chairs out there on the field. They put up the selection show live up on the video board for everyone to watch. That was a nice moment until it wasn't. So, I am not surprised. Let me start off with this. I am not surprised by the NCAA selection committee. I'm not surprised by the NCAA being incompetent. I'm not surprised by the people in charge of making these regionals and their decisions. Because I'm old. I'm old. I've seen this show before. I've seen how this works out. I've seen them move the goalpost constantly when it benefits them, when it benefits their narrative or their agenda, because they always have one. This is what they do. They're inept, they're incompetent, and they're borderline corrupt. So when I see what happened yesterday happen, 
I am not surprised. I, surprised isn't the word for me either, by the way, and I know we'll get to my comments later. When you get older and you see this all the time, you stop being angry. You just expect it is what happens. So, so let's dive in. I want to start off with McNeese first. Hey, McNeese, congratulations. You're a top 40 program in the country. You defeated multiple top 25 teams this season. Great job. You won your conference tournament. Awesome. You know, last year when we sent you all the way up to Chicago as a three seed to take part in the Evanston Regional. By the way, you did a great job. You beat Notre Dame not once but twice. This year, encore presentation, pack your bags, let's go to Seattle. First of all, we're always told, allegedly, that their intention is to try to keep these things as regional as possible, right? It's actually in the name, regional. Yet they ship McNeese all the way out to what Kevin Foote likes to call China, to Seattle. I, yeah, I actually don't blame. I don't. I don't get upset about this one because I think what it comes down to is that there's more really good West Coast teams than you have really ways to regionally sp- sp- slice it because you have a few elite West Coast teams that then are host sites, but then a lot of good Southeastern, you know, United States programs that make the regionals, and I think that that causes some issues because Stanford also hosted and UCLA also hosted. So eventually, there's not enough West Coast teams to keep it West Coast, but you you do think. You know, and I guess you're not supposed to keep a running tally, but year by year, you think mm-hmm. if you had to travel tremendously the previous year, maybe they'd give them a break, but they uh, did not seem to do that. Not exactly fair to to, to the Cowgirls. Now they get they, to play a team they beat, though. So well, maybe they they don't get to play them starting off with. Right, they have to play Minnesota. That's their first matchup. That's the two three matchup in the Seattle Regional. Washington is the national seed. They are hosting the regional, and yes, McNeese beat them during the regular season. That was one of their top twenty five wins. And the Cowgirls can be a dangerous team. So let's ship McNeese. Let's ship Lake Charles team all the way to Seattle. Awesome. But then came the other one. We expected LSU to be a host. That's what we expected. Right? So they get the 10 seed. And as it's being unveiled, you and I had been texting back and forth. Yeah, I sent you a message in the middle of that. Did you catch that one? Because yes. we didn't actually talk yes. about that. No, I caught it. I was like, yeah, I, I was like, yeah. I was in the middle of doing Mother's Day things. And I was like, yeah, they're not going to. As soon as it came to LSU, I said they're going to send the Cajuns to Well, it, it was even before that, though. So when the five seed was announced as Alabama, which, by the way, I think locally the, the UL thing is going to get the most kind of you know discussion. Nationally, I think a lot of people are more upset that Alabama's a five seed because the resume really didn't seem like it was there. And they said Alabama was the f- number five overall national seed because of top ten wins. And that's when I said, there I texted it is. you right there, and I said, based on what they did with Alabama, I don't think they're yep. hosting. And you and I talked about that. Which, but And again, top ten wins, like I understand that's valuable, right? There it is. But that's not in the criteria. That's not something we've been told in the past had <laughs> more weight over one thing or the other. you've been lied to in the past. Right, no, that's and why. I'm well aware of that. I'm just saying. That's it's, why. The, the lack of consistency there is just. So this so, year, top ten wins was what they decided on. So, Next year, 
It'll be, you know, top 30 It'll wins in some, cold weather when dude, the when the some, when the full moon's out. I don't it, know. It will be something else next year. Yes. This is what they do. They change the goalposts. So the Cajuns are the two seed in the Baton Rouge Regional with LSU. And, and once again, part of this for me is fatigue because it's just laziness. I'm just going to be honest. It's just laziness. Because Cajuns have have been paired up so many times with LSU in the last 10 years. It's old. It's exhausting. Like, come up with something different. That, that, that's, that's part of it. There, there is a fatigue factor with Cajuns, Tigers playing in a softball regional again. Like, we're, we're talking about two teams ranked in the top 25 year in, year out. You can't separate them. Like, why do they got to be paired up? That This is the, the, the their formula of saying, hey, let's have a regional. Make it feel like a regional. Oh, one team, they're only an hour apart. Okay. That didn't imply for McNeese, but this is what we're going to do here with the Cajuns and the Tigers yet again. And they've played each other so many times, and they play each other every single year over and over and over and over again. And this also tells me that the committee, the the precious RPI that that we were led to believe is what they cared about, well, that doesn't mean diddly poo, because based on right, Cajuns were really ranked what around twenty to twenty three, if you're counting how they were seated, right? Yeah, now that's so they weren't even thing. close. I, it's not like basketball, though. I don't think they do it like that. Um, they weren't even close to getting one. Well, I don't. I don't know if that's the case. I think they would probably have been ranked seventeenth or eighteenth if they gave you seedings. But then again, they do it regionally. They didn't do it, so they weren't going to send them. Which I think is again, it's a good thing that they weren't going to send them to fifteen seed Utah. They weren't going to do that, and they weren't going to send them to uh, you know to Clemson. But I think another thing with Clemson is they were there last year, and I think they do at least try to not send teams to the same place two years in a row. I, I don't know. It's, there's a lot that's messed up about it, but the good thing in all of it is that the Cajuns' path to the World Series, as Foote's been discussing for a long time, is a lot better than if you were a 15 seed and had to play in that regional and then go to UCLA or Oklahoma as a 16 seed. But, but LSU has been serving as the roadblock for them. Yeah, no, and, and, and it's... In postseason play for a while I, I'm now. with you. I think it's lazy with the LSU thing. And look, they did mix it up. They sent them to Oxford one year and Clemson last year, but like for the number of times, and, and it's just not like there's not other Southeast... I mean, you, Arkansas is right there, Georgia. <laughs> Duke Alabama. isn't that, you know, Duke isn't without a <laughs> realm of possibility. Texas is right there. Tennessee, I mean, there was plenty of other options. Now, again, this year with the circumstances that they're all set up with it, I don't think they mind going LSU nearly as much as, as some of the other years, but... It's still, again, it's still so difficult to win regionals when you're not hosting in softball. We've seen that for so long. I mean, the percentages, they tell you what, maybe maybe two two teams that aren't hosting will win this, you know, in, in these regionals. You maybe. can change that perception. Once again, well, I, I, what better story that the Cajuns can write than to be disrespected, not get their own regional. By the way, strength of schedule means nothing. The committee showed you that yet again. And... The only thing that mattered to them was top 10 wins because that's why Alabama is a host and not the Cajuns, by the way. Once again, changing the goalpost. Yet again. But they can, 
they can do all this. They can finally punch their ticket back to a Super Regional and do so against their rival from across the basin. It's a great story. Will they be able to write it? Yeah, we'll find out. We've got to take a timeout. When we come back here on RP3 and Company, we'll unveil the poll question of the day wrap-up hour number one. That's all next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, so much to get to. What a weekend. And we we only scratched the surface of what happened over the weekend. But our poll question of the day is what was the weekend's biggest surprise? Was it UL softball not hosting an NCAA regional? Was it LSU baseball losing a series to Mississippi State? That bullpen is garbage. Was it the Phoenix Suns firing Monty Williams, which we'll get to in hour number two? Gross. What are you doing? What are you doing, Phoenix? Or was it UL baseball sweeping Texas State? What was the thing that was the biggest surprise to you? Right now, 38% of you say LSU baseball losing that series of Mississippi State. 29% say UL softball not hosting a regional. 21% say the Suns firing Monte Williams. And 12% of you say UL baseball sweeping Texas State. Hart on Twitter says, none of the other three really surprised me, in my opinion, but no means a Suns fan, but letting Monty go definitely blindsided a lot of people. He definitely wasn't solely to blame for their early round playoff exits the past couple years. Ralph says, none of the above. The five and six are Arlington Renegades winning the XFL championship. The script writers for the XFL really fumbled that one. Bet the Rock hit him with a people's elbow after the game. Oh, man. The other team had to play. Bob Stoops win another championship. Steve says they don't need to call Gordon to get it done, but call to Skip wouldn't hurt because, you know, Skip Bertman knew about pitching. <laughs> they, could, they, could use a, they could use a phone call or two. Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Hour one in the books. Hour number two coming up right here. On the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Seven oh three on this foggy Monday morning. Make sure you're careful on your commute to work and school school year is wrapping up 
counting down. We're down to single-digit days for most schools, including yours truly's little one. This week is virtual field trip. Field trip week. They went on an actual field trip on Friday, but this week it's virtual. Coming in, finishing strong. Hour one, it was strong, man. It was strong. Covered a lot of things. LSU baseball, it's bullpen. And best way to describe it is, it is pawpaw. It is trash. They lose a series to Mississippi State. Drop two games out of three. Back-to-back weekends in conference play, they've lost series. The Achilles heel for this team is its bullpen. They don't have enough quality pitching. Injuries have played a role, but you're talking about a couple guys that are out because of UCL injuries. It's made a huge difference. But that's given the opportunity for everyone else to be able to step up. And you know what everyone else has done? With the exception of Coleman and Floyd, they've all been awful. Awful. They had a handful of relief pitchers yesterday all give up earned runs. Gross. You score 13 runs in a game, you should be able to win it. There's teams in the NFL that can score 13 points and win a ball game. The LSU baseball team scored 13 points yesterday and lost. Because the bullpen is dreadful. That defense isn't great either. Just keep an eye on that as well. We focus so much on the lack of pitching behind Skeens that we we lose focus on the fact that their fielding is not great. Because Dawson yesterday, Cooper was in there, and uh, they had some mishandles behind them that could have got them out of jams. They may wouldn't been may, may would have been able to win that game. So when you need your defense to be airtight, it hasn't been for LSU. And look, it goes back to the thing. Jay Johnson knows hitting. It's his specialty. It's his forte. Pitching is not. And it's the second year in a row that LSU's had some pitching issues. The lineup has been able to cover it up. And they were able to go get Paul Skeens. But they got Skeens out of the transfer portal. Remember, this is a young man who was pitching at Air Force a year ago. Think about that. This is not homegrown talent. This is not someone they developed. This is someone they went and poached out of the transfer portal. Gotta maybe start recruiting some of these guys to be the studs. Because remember, they also got Christian Little out of the transfer portal. He has not worked out. He has been not good. Just has been. And the pitching is not good. And LSU now wraps up its regular season against McNeese tomorrow night and then with a three-game set at Georgia. And then it's on to Hoover. I don't think this team cares about Hoover. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. And I would also throw it out there that I think, and I don't think Jay Johnson would tell us this, I don't think he would be too upset if they got eliminated early in the SEC tournament. Because I think he feels his team needs rest and to gear up for a regional. Is winning the SEC tournament going to help LSU? Not really. 
I don't know. I think confidence-wise it would be a big boost to that bullpen if they were able to pitch well enough over a course of five days to win a tournament. There's the flip side of that argument. What if they go in there and lose the first two games because the bullpen's awful? Now your confidence is still crap. Right. So that's that's what goes against what you were talking about, about getting the rest. If you're getting rest but you're still feeling like you're terrible, I, I don't know how good that I is think, either. But if you're Jay Johnson, do you honestly believe this morning, Dawson, that you can fix your bullpen? Um, you can I, you can uh, pitch better than you've pitched in the past two weekends. Yes, I'd say three. You can go right. back to well, that Alabama I mean, series, you, whatever number so, you want to put. So, really, so so it's been three weeks. So if I'm Jay, do I take the approach? Look, I just want my guys to be healthy. Give my guys rest, and we're just going to have to out hit everybody. That yeah, could I mean, be their approach, right? I mean, yeah, there's different ways to look at it. I, I would I would want the guys. I would want the guys. I to would have want good the guys too, but. Who do you trust? Like, Ty can be a guy that can be your game two starter, right? In a regional. And we've talked about Coleman being that guy that can come in and eat up innings for you too. Maybe you save him for a game three. But there's no one else you can trust, Dawson. There's not a single soul that you can trust after that. Not one! So I don't know how much the SEC tournament can help them because they can't fix this. This is not something that you can go, okay, well, we'll just, no. This team is what it is. They're going to have to out-hit everyone they play and hope that Coleman, now the only thing I would agree with you on this is that you could use the SEC tournament to get Coleman more innings. I think you're, I don't know, I think you're acting like there's not talented guys in this bullpen that are capable of getting guys out. There are. And they just How have they, they have to pitch better than they But they haven't have. proven it. Like when you get you, you They you have say in their career. You, they have it in the last month. I mean, that's a little uh, recency bias in my opinion. Uh, uh, are they good? No, is it like a good bullpen right now? No, it's not, but they are still capable. It hasn't been a good bullpen entire SEC schedule. Right. That's the majority of the season. There's guys in that bullpen that have had good stretches throughout all different things. We had a stretch where Gavin Goodrie was really good. You had a stretch where Ackenhausen was really good. You had a stretch at the beginning of the season when Cooper and Money were both really good. So I'm just saying there are they are capable. They're not like they have a bunch of – it's not like Matt McMahon's basketball team that had a bunch of guys that were trying to play above their weight class, so to speak. They're talented guys. They haven't pitched well. they got to pitch better. Yeah, that's, that's a simple, simplified way of looking at it. Because how many more opportunities do you need to give someone for them to fail? Like, like you, I, I'm sorry if I come off that I'm being harsh this morning. But if you're telling me that you believe that this bullpen has talented guys because they pitched well against Southeastern Louisiana during a midweek game earlier this season, I, I'm going to say that that's not good enough. Like, this this whole thing, well, I've seen glimpses of it, so they're capable. Well, you, you have to get to a point where you stop thinking in terms of what someone's capable of or what their potential is and just accept the, the reality that they're not good. 
Like you can't have your head in the clouds thinking about potential or what they're capable of doing. I'm capable of being 243 pounds. Am I 243 pounds? No, I'm not. I think we're learning why RP3 is not a coach today because he thinks once a guy has been bad, he's bad forever. No, I'm just not going to tatize someone to the point to make them feel like they're good when they're not good at something. Well, Look, not everyone can be great. I'm just saying not your, your everyone approach can of, be great. Right, your approach of it's going to be bad, so let's just not play and then hope it shows up and we out-hit everyone. I didn't I say that. They need I didn't to say that. I did not say that. You're putting around. words in my mouth. You're putting words in my mouth. Don't do that. Don't put words in my mouth. I said what Jay Johnson's approach could be. I didn't say that was my approach. I'd say I'd play the guys because I think Coleman needs the things. I actually sat right here literally five minutes ago and agreed with you. So don't take my words and turn it against me. That's not how we're going to do things here on this show okay. or on this station. One. Two. I have standards. You play for LSU. Not everyone can play for LSU. Period. Not everyone can play for the LSU Tigers. Just like not everyone can play for the Oklahoma Sooner softball team. Just like not everyone can play for the LSU football team. You can't sit there and and, and say, well, well, they're, they're capable because they showed potential early in the season. Well, Andy Dalton showed potential early in the season last year as a starting quarterback. How'd that work out? It didn't. It didn't work out. So you got to pick your poison. Would I try to win the SEC tournament? Yes, because that's how I'm built. Personally, I would want my team to go into the tournament and try to win the tournament. I think Coleman needs more reps. I think Thatcher Hurd needs more reps. I actually agree with you on this. I don't know if Jay Johnson agrees with us, is my point. I don't think Jay Johnson agrees with this. I think Thatcher Hurd could use some more reps. Coleman could use more reps. And I think it would benefit them if they want to win the whole thing. You and I are in agreement here. So let me be clear. I don't know if Jay Johnson is, is on that page. Or if he just says, you know what? It is what it is. He's not an SEC guy. Does he care about the SEC tournament? I don't know. Paul Maneri did. Does Jay Johnson care as much? That's what I openly question. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on Doug to the show. Doug, good morning to you, brother. What's on your mind? Well, Ray, I opened the question up myself, Ray. I mean, I had to take blood pressure medicine early yesterday for what I seen. That, that's just pitiful, man. Pitiful. 13 to 4 and you lose the game? What about Saturday? Floyd had that game won. I mean, yep. he pitched a good game. Here comes the bullpen and then loses the game for him. That, I, I couldn't believe it, man. It's like two weekends in a row. And we've been talking about this like all, most of the season, like halfway on, on up. You know, it's like, man, they better fix the pitching. They better fix the pitching. And they just haven't done it. I don't understand. These guys sitting in the bullpen looking out on the field and saying, man, we're on a championship team. Let's step it up. But they're not, you know. If you see any good out of these players, you see maybe two innings where they pitch, a, you know, a, a good couple of innings, and then you hardly see any of them uh, for the rest of the season. It's just, oh, man, they, they, I, I just can't believe it. And I don't share Professor Dawson's optimism. I don't. This, this I don't. Well, to, 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 to be fair to, to 
That's not a bad name, by the way. First of all, let's <laughs> let's start there. Uh, and 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 please let 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 me be clear here. I, I may have got a little curt. Is that the right word, Professor? With with Dawson, he and I actually agree here. Okay, we both take the approach that to treat the SEC tournament to treat it that way. I just don't know if Jay takes that same approach. And he's a little bit more optimistic. Sure, I don't think these guys have what it's look. I would pitch. I would try to have Ty pitch as many innings as possible. I would try to give Coleman as much run. But the bullpen yeah. has not been good. It just hasn't been. I no. don't think optimism is even what I'm what I'm speaking of here. I'm just saying you can't have a mentality that they're incapable of doing it. You have to continue putting them in opportunities to succeed. And if they don't, then look, maybe this team's not going to win but, the title. But okay, my counter argument would be to you to this. Okay, you, you you've clarified your position here. But if you put somebody in a position that you feel like they're going to fail just to give them the opportunity to not fail, how does that help your team? Well, I guess I guess yeah. would be my question. Yeah. Well, my answer would yeah. be they're yeah. in a super regional and in a regional you have to throw at least twenty seven innings and you can't get twenty seven innings from Paul Skeens and and Ty Floyd. So you so you say you so just don't have a is, choice. They are yeah they're going to have to pitch. How about point. how about you pitch Ty longer? I mean, you can try, but again, there's that the, again. You a you have to keep his health in mind if it's pitch count thing, and then b yeah, if he works himself into trouble, I mean, is is, so is, is Ty on a pitch count? No, I mean, well, everyone's on a pitch count. I'm talking about if you're if you're extending him into you know the hundred plus pitch range, you can't just throw him out there until he's done. If you can get more yep. out of Coleman, that would be huge because he's pitched well. Now I know he's coming off the severe injury, okay. And Dawson makes a fair point, but there's certain guys that I would not put into the game. Would you let Blake Money touch the ball? No. There's a couple of guys I wouldn't let touch the ball out of that bullpen. It's a shame what they're doing to this team. I can't believe what I'm seeing, you know. And I kind of figured that that would happen at the beginning of the season when they lost to, what was it, Iowa State? In the tournament, over in the Round Rock tournament, it was Iowa. It was Iowa. Yeah. It was Iowa. There we go. Iowa. Yeah. Right then and there, it's like, hmm, maybe this team is not what they all said they would be. But Doug, but anyway, the good up, thing right? is, brother, the they good thing is, is that something. baseball, it's still baseball, right? So anything yeah, can happen. Right. Anything can happen. What about, hey Ray? What about doing like what Auburn did and just sit schemes for the first game, like in the regionals? Or something. Well, for the first game. Doug, I, I gotta let you go. I appreciate the phone call. I'm gonna respond to that because I'm gonna let Dawson Eiseldover respond to that because you brought this up earlier in hour number one. Yeah, no, I mean pitch like that's an option, and I think sometimes it depends on your regional draw. If if you feel really good about your matchup, if you feel like look, sometimes in regionals there's a couple conferences that don't have very good teams, and there's gonna be representatives from those conferences. Correct. You're gonna have a team that's a couple games. Like a perfect example in softball, Ole Miss made it, and they're only a few games above 500. Yeah, I wouldn't even use that example. I'm talking about conference champions from from lower conferences okay. that are right. that are like very, the Atlantic Ten or something. Yeah, okay. or the, you All know, right. typically SWAC teams. You know, you don't. Some years there's a good team out of there, but some years there isn't. And so, if you play a team like that in the first round and you feel good about it, then yeah, you can pitch backwards and you can save skeins for game two. But again, as I've said, the danger in doing that is you better win game one because then you're really putting yourself. But then in a you're hole, in a position and. Paul can handle it. Right. He'll be fine. Right. You know. He'll be now, fine. Now, we will say he hasn't pitched 
non not a Friday this year, and some guys don't react well to that. But again, I think because they're routine based pitchers, yeah, are. and right. they'll probably get a chance to do that in the SEC. Although he's actually no, he's pitched on Thursdays with the SEC schedule, so I think he's the, the, yeah the weirdness. But it's usually Thursday or Friday, so there could be a possibility there for them to take that approach, especially in a regional. Once again, I don't think this is going to matter in a regional. They're 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 too talented. When it's going to matter now, what we've what we kept waiting for the bullpen to figure it out, and it's not it's just not going to happen. So you got you got to pick your poison here. You go through the regional, you're going to get to a super. That's when it's going to matter because you you got three days to get three games in. Can they do it? Mm, that's where it's going to come up. That's where it's going to come up. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company weekend that was, hey, we haven't even touched on the NBA playoffs or the Houston Astros. We'll do that next right here on the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Whether you're working or helping your wife shop for curtains, serenity now! You'll be brought up to speed on the highlights you may have missed. Thank you, you've been heavy. Here is the weekend that was on RP3 and Company. Oh, man. Good stuff there. LSU drops two of three. Raging Cajuns get the sweep over Texas State. They put themselves in great position. And we'll talk more about LSU when Jeff Palermo joins us in about seven minutes from right now. But let's get to the other stuff that happened over the weekend. NBA playoffs. Our conference finals are set, D'Lo. It's the bubble all over again. It's the same teams that were in the conference finals for the bubble. We get Lakers versus Nuggets as L.A. dispatches of the defending champs in six games. They take on a very good and underrated and underappreciated Denver team. Over in the East, it's Heat Celtics yet again in the conference finals. Just like it was in the bubble, just like it was last year. Third time in four years, they faced off in the Eastern Conference Finals. Tatum goes off for a Game 7 NBA record yesterday as Philadelphia just rolled over. So let's start in the East. What'd you make of Philly's performance yesterday? What'd you make of Joel Embiid's performance yesterday? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's uh, it's certainly going to lend into the Philadelphia Ooh. narrative that we've seen for quite a while now. And I mean, it felt like a golden opportunity. You went up three two. You got a couple of prime James Harden games early in the series to help you kind of steal one and you know win one another one that you maybe felt pretty good about, but still got a great performance to secure it. And um, when you steal two games in the series without Embiid having to be Embiid, and he's the MVP of the league. You f- and you go up 3-2, like all those things combined, you feel like you should win that series. And I know Boston's a great team. Like that's, you know, they were the favorites coming into the series. But, you know, it's another it's another really disappointing series for Doc Rivers-led team. 
Um, Joel Embiid, the MVP, didn't he didn't show up in the biggest moments, uh, and he or at least didn't match the intensity of uh, of a guy on the other side and Jason Tatum, who had a fantastic game in, in in a game seven, and and so for Philly, it's um it's a sobering defeat here. Again, I don't know if a lot of I don't know if a lot of people expected them to even be at this point in a game seven with Boston, but um, once you were there, especially again, look back to game six when they had a chance to close it out at home. It's um it's a tough way to go out. You're the best player on the team and you don't show up in a game seven. It's a terrible look for Embiid. It just is. It's a bad look for him. You're the MVP, and he didn't show up. Jason Tatum, meanwhile, showed up and dropped 51 points. That's an NBA game seven record, by the way. So... Going to be a lot of questions about Embiid this offseason because he did not show up. He disappeared, didn't have a good game, didn't try to will his team to victory. And and look, it, we knew James Harden wasn't going to be that either. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way. And Embiid, Dawson averaged 33 points in the regular season. It dropped all the way down to 23 for the playoffs. That drop-off which, by the way, is 9.4 points, is the largest by that year's MVP in NBA history. No league MVP has ever seen their points per game decline as much as Embiid's did this playoffs. Not a great look. Can we have a conversation quickly about Doc Rivers? Just quickly. Doc Rivers has lost an NBA record 32 closeout games. As a coach, Doc Rivers has lost an NBA record seven series when leading 3-2. Doc Rivers has lost an NBA record 10 game sevens. Doc Rivers has lost an NBA record 12 series when holding a series lead. Can we stop talking about Doc Rivers being an elite coach? Has that, has that finally come to an end? Has that? I... I just don't think he is. I think he's a good coach. I think he's living off the one title in Boston. And I think people want to believe in Doc Rivers. But 20 years of coaching, I don't know what else you need to have shown to you. I'll get you there. Um, But uh, that's another, you know, look, maybe Doc and Doc certainly had more opportunities than some guys who've just gotten fired in the past week or so. Um, (laughs) I... Exactly. Now, he's had to do it at different stops. It's not like he's been in, you know, in one franchise for 20 years where they've given him all those chances. But, um, yeah, the NBA's in a weird place, too, with coaching. And I'm sure we're going to get into weird. that at some point. With Mark with Jackson's hires, interviewing for the Bucks job. If Milwaukee hires that guy, I, I don't even know what to do with that. Like, I, I, Well, some people credit the Warriors dynasty to Mark Jackson. Yeah, right? <laughs> Like there's a no, there's a real legit. There's I know, a lot of I know. You made I'd forgotten about it, and you just made me remember. And which I don't think he got a look. I don't think he got a completely fair deal back in the day with Golden State. Um, but I think also there's there's probably a reason he hasn't gotten back into coaching in the past decade. Now he's he's had a nice you know role with ESPN and everything else. Or but um, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think it's kind of. You know, I don't think it's fair to discredit Steve Kerr's accomplishments, and I've seen a lot of that recently. Like, well, Mark Jackson built it all, and then Steve Kerr yeah, took over. People, like, I don't, I don't know. Uh, that's not how that works. 
You know, there was guys that built up the Bulls too, and Phil Jackson took over. It, it, you, it takes a certain skill set to be able to take over and win championships. Not everyone can do it. Lakers Nuggets, quickly. I like Denver in this series. Oh, I, I hope. I, I like Denver in this series. I like Denver to win in six. I don't. I, I just. It feels like it's the Nuggets' time, Dawson. It feel credit L.A. for getting to the the Western Conference Finals. That's a huge accomplishment. I just like Denver's roster better. I like how they play basketball better. Yeah, we'll see. I think the biggest key in this series is is does Denver have enough interior defense to guard against guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron physically inside? Because Jokic, um, you know, is 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 questionable defensively at times. It, it depends yeah, on the that's, day. That's I fair. Think. That's fair. That's and fair. AD's a very good rim protector, and he's pretty elite inside defensively. And I think that's kind of now. Denver has a lot more size and a lot more depth to try to deal with some of those things than Golden State did, but they also don't have the elite shooting abilities of the Warriors. So we'll see. Jokic, uh, you're going to have to see Jokic have a huge series. I think that's that's clear. Just the and way. I think and I think Murray has to have a very good series. Yeah, they've as well. got no, they've got to get it from multiple guys. Yeah. And I mean, look, we've talked about some of their peripheral guys like Aaron Gordon, who's played really well at times. You're going to need some efforts from him, but. Um, if you're the Lakers, you're feeling really good, and you're probably feeling like you're playing with house money here, and and um, you know that kind of makes them dangerous, right? Right, and and now maybe maybe LeBron doesn't feel that way because it's one of you know how many more runs does he have in him? We don't know, so who knows how what the what the mindset is? But they're playing well right now. They are playing well right now. So our conference finals are set: Miami, Boston, L.A., Denver. That's what we got set up for the conference finals for the NBA playoffs. Some big off-season questions for the Golden State Warriors. Some big off-season questions for the Philadelphia 76ers as well. The two teams that lost over the weekend. We got questions about the LSU baseball team. We're going to ask them. Dawson and I both will ask our good friend Jeff Palermo from Tiger Ag Radio. That's coming up next right here on The Game. This is RP3 and Company on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company. Live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, man. Yesterday was Mother's Day. It was great. Made sure to take care of my wife, Tina. My daughter and I did that. We went with the uh, three. We went with the Tower Bunt Cake. Three individual ones, three different flavors. By the way, that's the Flex. The wife was very appreciative of that. Got her some gift. Got her some nice flowers. We took her out to brunch. And showed her how much we appreciated her. As much as the gift that my wife liked that I got her, and as much as that was a success, and she loved the flowers that I got her as well, and and the cakes. The thing that my wife probably appreciated more than anything was the homemade card that our daughter made her for Mother's Day. And then also made her this like booklet from school basically telling my wife Tina how great of a mom she was. That was the one. That will be saved for decades to come. The gift I got her could be sold at a garage sale in 10 years. 
from the from the depths of LSU's pitching struggles to the heartwarming stories, it's the type of range we have on this show. I wanted to say something nice <laughs> before we dive into the LSU baseball team's performance over the weekend with our buddy Jeff Palermo from Tiger Rag Radio. Jeff, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well, Raymond. How about yourself? I am doing great. I had a great Mother's Day weekend. It was amazing. Uh, took care, uh, showed my appreciation to my wife, and uh, it was amazing. Uh, that was going on yesterday, so I had a good day, unlike the LSU bullpen this weekend, who was, let's go ahead and say, driving the struggle bus off the cliff into a fiery pit of death. Uh, give me your takeaways about dropping two or three to Mississippi State, including scoring 13 runs yesterday, yet still finding a way to lose the game. Yeah, the image I had in my mind as I was walking out of the box yesterday was a dumpster fire. That's exactly what the LSU bullpen has turned into. And there's just no more excuse. I, I, I feel like Paul, I, or Paul, uh, Raymond, I, I feel like I've um, sat and kind of made excuses and, and this and that, but I, I don't think they're, I think the excuses are about run out. It, it, it is what it is at this point, is that you have the most Dominating pitcher in college baseball, uh, maybe one of the best college baseball pitchers ever. And then after that, you have no idea what you are going to get. Yeah, you got a good start again for from Paul uh, from Ty Floyd on Saturday, but uh, who's to say that he won't turn around and have another bad start Friday in Athens against Georgia? And then it just seemed like anyone that. Jay Johnson would turn to out of that bullpen. I mean, there were a couple nice performances, but anyone they would turn, you know, as Thatcher heard uh, Saturday, uh, Christian Little was bad yesterday, Nate Ackenhauer. I mean, it was just none of them could do, uh, could just come in there and just shut the door for a couple innings. And I guess I'll say, yes, there's still time here. You still really have, in my mind, two more weeks to figure this thing out. You got the series against Georgia this weekend and the SEC tournament and hope you have some confidence going into the regionals. But they're lucky that the regionals are not starting this weekend because I don't know. I don't even know really where you turn to as far as guys that you could trust coming out of that pen. Well, Jeff – Dawson here, and I wanted to ask you something as well. When, when you talk about the, sh- the meltdown that was yesterday, and it's a nine-run lead, and it felt like it was over, and then it wasn't, do you think the mindset and of the struggles as the bullpen overall creeps in? Because it feels like all of a sudden when you give up a couple runs, it feels like the meltdown is coming. Do you think that plays into it at all? I, I think so. I mean, I asked Jay Johnson after the game, I mean, how do you – build back their confidence and basically just said that they have to kind of work on it and point to some of the good things that may have occurred. Uh, There were, you know, Christian little does come in to the game in a tough situation and he gets a big strikeout with the bases loaded. And then he goes back out there to the next inning and he gets rocked. I mean, there's just, you know, that's, that's the thing. I mean, they just, they can get some big outs uh, here and there. But overall, there is not, there's just not the consistency that you need to have in order to be a national championship team. I mean, uh, to, to blow a nine-run lead is just, 
there's no excuse for it. There's that it is. It is time to. I guess it is time to hit the panic button at this point because I don't. I, I don't. I don't know how they could turn this thing around so fast that all of a sudden by the time regionals comes around uh, that you're going to have a lot of faith in this in this group. Uh, it's going to be very difficult for that to occur. And I mean, they, they just lost a couple of series to teams that I do not think they'll be hosting a regional. So you're looking at like, well, Mississippi state is really going to have to fight to get in there, but you're looking at like Auburn's probably a two seed in the NCAA tournament, Mississippi state, maybe a three, if they get in, well, those are the teams that you're going to be obviously kind of battling in a regional and you can't, you can't win these series. And it's, it just reflects, uh, on one particular problem with the team, and that's the bullpen. Well, we've we've kind of had a little bit of a discussion about it already on the show, so I want to get your opinion on it as well. There's a couple different ideas about how you approach the SEC tournament, and one is you go into it and you really look to compete and get these guys right in the bullpen, try and have them throw in some key situations, some key spots. And then I guess there's the other approach where you think if we exit early, at least we're going to be able to get some rest for these guys, kind of reset and refresh for the tournament, which approach would you take and which approach do you think Jay Johnson would prefer? Well, Jay Johnson wants to win every game. I think he coaches every game to win. And I think these guys need to be out on the mound in game situations getting big outs. And that's the only way that that you can turn this thing around. I don't know, you know, having – you know, going to and barbecue in the SEC tournament and coming back that weekend to play some pickup baseball games in the box. I, I don't think that's going to really help them out. Now, Jay did mention here we are. We're at the we're kind of we're at the end of the season. Uh, these guys have been out there a lot. Uh, there may be some fatigue could be in there. Obviously, the ball is jumping out of the box. Uh, warm days. So so there are some factors. But man, you just gotta. You gotta fight through it. <laughs> you gotta fight through it. I mean, it's you can't be blowing nine run leads. You just you, you just can't. And then you can't be uh, doing what they did uh, on Saturday night as well, where where you're in complete control of that game and you give up six runs in the eighth inning. I mean, that's and you we've seen it now two weekends in a row. The they, bullpen just can't get enough outs, and you have this offense, this this prolific offense, and it's now having a hard time keeping up with the struggles of the bullpen. Well, Jeff, they scored 13 runs yesterday and lost. So, <laughs> I mean, typically when you score two touchdowns and a missed extra point, you should be able to win a baseball game. But they did. Now, let's let's dive in here a little bit because Dalton and I have talked a lot about this. We both like Ty Floyd. We both like Coleman. Now, I know they're easing Coleman back into a role if they can get him to like three or four innings a game, that's going to be a huge deal for a regional. That's going to be a huge deal in particular for a super regional appearance. I, we know Jay trusts those two guys. We know he shouldn't trust Thatcher Hurd. We know he shouldn't trust Christian Little. I'm yeah. on the fence about Blake Money. I don't think he's – but Gavin has been a guy that seems to be pretty consistent. Who out of the pin – do you think should they trust or has earned the trust of Jay Johnson? I don't know. I don't. I have no idea. Uh, I mean, you talk about Gavin Gidry. I, that was a guy that I was kind of 
starting to feel like, hey, man, this this freshman's really stepping up. He's providing some help. Uh, and then he goes out there and he gives up three runs in, in two-thirds mm-hmm. of an innings. Uh, you know, Griffin Herring uh, did not allow any runs, but he still walks a couple batters yesterday. Um you know Riley Cooper. I thought I thought Riley Cooper pitched fairly pretty well, and I, and I think out of all the guys, especially considering his history, or Jay Johnson and Riley Cooper go back to where they were at Arizona. I, I would think that Jay really trusts him at the end of the games. It's not going to always look. I mean, he's not Riley Cooper's not going to come in there and blow a bunch of people away. Um, he, he's going to kind of finesse you. He's a, you know, he's a left-hander. He's going to just try to figure out to figure out ways to get outs. But to me, I think he's the one guy that you could potentially trust, especially late in the ball game. But Ty Floyd and you mentioned Jamin Coleman, who are still trying to ease back into it. Uh, those guys, uh, especially Coleman, really at this point, I don't think you can expect him to get more than four innings out of him. So so how do you get how do you go from the 5th inning <laughs> to the 8th inning? Uh how, how do you get through there? And you thought maybe Thatcher Hurd was a potential answer, but he blows up on Saturday. So it's just I I don't know how how you work it. I I, I really don't. Um you know, they're going to play McNeese tomorrow and they'll probably win. They might run rule them and all that kind of stuff, but um I don't know. Maybe just getting on the road again, playing at Georgia. They just they just got to have a couple guys go out there and have really clean performances. You know, go out there and give you two innings, and you know, don't be giving up multiple runs in those in those two innings. And and maybe the confidence will start to to build again in the bullpen. I, I mean, outside of that, I don't know. I mean, you can't teach these guys new pitches at this point. I mean, to me, now it all really comes down to confidence and trying to build their confidence up that they can go out there and they can get outs and they can throw strikes. And that's the other thing, uh, just way too many walks again yesterday. Yeah, they they just don't throw enough strikes. That's been a big issue for them. Jeff, you know what, bud? We always have confidence when you come on the airwaves here on RP3 <laughs> Company. You don't have to worry about that, my friend. I appreciate your time. Enjoy Tiger Ag Radio this week, bud. All right, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Raymond Dawson, you have a great one. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Go subscribe to the game's YouTube channel, At The Game Louisiana. That way you can check out the latest original videos and more shenanigans from the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the Strohs, man. That sure does look like they're getting right. Yes, Abreu still not hitting. Altuve hasn't been called up. There's still weirdness with Michael Brantley. <laughs> so there, there's still a lot of stuff that's not great about the Strohs right now. But you know what? They're winning ball games. That's all that matters. JP. That's your boy. Big start. Man, he had another good one. That's your man. He did. He got another young arm there. But yesterday... Diaz hit his first Major League home run 
to back rookie Hunter Brown and help the Houston Astros beat the Chicago White Sox 4-3 to on Sunday. Their fourth win in five games. They take the series from the Southsiders, the fighting Jim Gazzolos, as I like to call them. Now, by the way, that's Jim's team. Alvarez hit a two-run double. Man, he's so good. Yeah, no. So good. I know we don't have a ton of time here, but the scene that was Kevin Foote in the press box yesterday watching the game. <laughs> it's always my favorite thing. And I he, love going to events when the Astros games are going so on. He's so calm about Cajun sports. I mean, he's covering it. He's professional yes. about stuff. But then in, there's this ball. I, I All of a sudden he goes, cool. And I go, what's going on? He goes, Bregman, run Bregman, run Bregman, run Bregman. And he's just cheering on Bregman as like the game is playing out. But... But cat, it's a it's a hammock season. Yeah, well. <laughs> and he's like, "You're so slow, Bregman. You're so slow, Bregman." I love when he's fussing at his favorite players. He's doing it at the computer, <laughs> as if they could hear him, which is amazing. Uh, Kyle Tucker had a sack fly as well. Diaz, who debuted last September, uh, got the homer in the fourth for a four run advantage as they were able to hold on four three victory. They're now 21-19 and 19 overall. They take the series from the Southsiders. So the Strohs, despite not having everything go their way, despite still having some health issues, despite a Brayu still struggling, ooh, they're finding ways to win games. And that's all that matters, especially in the month of May. Hour two in the books. Hour three coming up. My man D'Lo. Call me. He's going to grab the microphone. And he's gonna he's gonna let off some steam. That's how we're gonna kick off hour number three right here on the game. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is producer Dawson Iserlow and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Uh, our number three has arrived here in RP3 and Company. Final hour of this Monday edition. Oh, man, we have covered a lot of ground today. We're going to cover more of it in this final hour, including talking to the man in charge of the McNeese softball program. They earned the number three seed in the Seattle Regional. They get to fly cross country or go to what Kevin refers to as China. That's how he refers to Seattle, I do believe. <laughs> we'll talk with James Landerno coming up half an hour from right now. What have we covered so far on this edition of RP3 and Company? LSU baseball team, their bullpen being absolutely ball. The team scored 13 runs yesterday and lost a game in baseball. Gross. The Raging Cajuns baseball team. Hey, some people doubted they would even make the conference tournament. Well, they locked that up over the weekend. With a sweep over Texas State, they sit firmly in third place in the Sunbelt Conference standings heading into the final three games, which will take place on the road in Hattiesburg against the best team in the conference and one of the best teams in the country, the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. They've won 13 straight. We recapped that weekend. We talked about that. D'Lo was there for two of the three games over the weekend at the Teak. We also spent time this morning talking about the NBA playoffs. Conference finals are now set. It's a it's a replay, if you will, of the bubble. We also touched on 
Monty Williams being fired inexplicably by the Phoenix Suns. The NBA is a weird place these days with coaches being fired. They just are. It's, it's, I don't understand it. It's beyond me. It really is. And we also dove into the three teams from our state that got regional bids for the NCAA softball tournament. McNeese going to Seattle. The Raging Cajuns being disappointed. Not hosting. They have to go go play in Baton Rouge yet again. Like, it's just utter laziness by the NCAA. Hey, just pair the Cajuns and the Tigers again. Like, there's fatigue there. We dove into that. Also, our poll question of the day. What was the weekend's biggest surprise? Was it UL softball not hosting? Was it LSU baseball losing a series to Mississippi State? Was it the Suns firing Monty Williams or was UL baseball sweeping Texas State? You know, they play in lovely San Marcos. Have a great outlet mall there, I've been told. 42% of you say LSU baseball losing the series in Mississippi State. 27% say UL softball not hosting an NCAA regional. 20% say Suns fire Monty Williams. 11% say UL baseball sweeping Texas State. Let's get to some comments. Everyone should have known the Lady Cajuns would get the shaft. I had a feeling about LSU coming down the stretch. The Cajuns swept. Biggest surprise, Monty is out. Bet he's in Philly next year. Yeah, we'll see if Doc Rivers survives after another letdown. JPK, the OD, says nothing. Not not a single thing about this weekend surprised me. To anyone who's been paying attention, it was all just chalk. LSU won't make it out of its own regional. Hashtag Monty to the Pills. Monty was already there, and they got rid of him prematurely. Doug says, all of us LSU fans who had our hearts set on a championship this year can forget it. Wow. <laughs> John Paul Cajun Teddy says, I agree. RP3, there's an agenda or the selection team is just incompetent, and I'm leaning towards the latter of the two. I, I just, once again, you have individuals, humans taking part in this, and they just, they have their own agendas, their own biases. Uh, Jay Sumo says, someone call Ben McDonald because this coach isn't working. He's talking about the pitching coach. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep leaving those thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. We got a little time here on RP3 and Company. So, you know, we covered a lot of ground this morning. Dawson said he wanted to broach the subject about something else. He wanted some time to shine here. So I'm going to assume that you want to talk about the passing of 10-time World Series of Poker champion Dole Brunson, or maybe you want to talk about the XFL championship game that was won by a team with a losing record four games under 500, or maybe you want to talk about how Cole Kelly and the Memphis Showboats ended the undefeated season, the New Orleans Breakers. I'm assuming it's going to be one of those three things. Yeah, so the Showboats, I wanted to do a deep dive on their switch over to a cover four kind of soft zone coverage and McLeod Bethel-Thompson's inability to just kind of dissect that zone. And whether or not that the Breakers front seven is really going to hold up down the stretch here. No, jokes aside, I want to talk about the softball selection committee. Um, here, here comes. Here comes. So look, the Cajuns. Obviously, I have a a, a rooting interest here. Um, that's you know that's part of this. Um, you know, I went to UL, so you know there's a little bit of bias baked in. I'll start with that. Um, but I think also I have a pretty good ability to kind of um, go without the biases and kind of put those things aside when it comes to things like this that I can use a use data to kind of analyze and represent. So there's a couple things about this that just really don't make sense. First of all, as you all heard. 
we discussed it coming in. Uh, no top 11 seed in the history of the RPI had never not hosted. There's been a little bit of debate about a team that was 12th or 11th and what day they were 12th or 11th. But either way, they are either tied for or setting the new mark as the low, the best RPI team never not to host. Um, there's a couple things that just really don't make sense here. Alabama was the number five overall seed. They're 12th in RPI. I think a lot of people kind of expressed some frustrations regarding that. Um, and the committee's answer to it was their top 10 wins this year. Now, top 10 wins are great. I'm, I'm not saying they're not, but that has never been a point of emphasis for the committee, as far as I'm concerned. I've never heard them specifically point to top 10 wins. Usually they talk about quad one wins or big you know, road wins or body of work or strength of schedule. But this year they decided, oh, it's about top 10 wins. So yeah, Alabama has a ton of top 10 wins. Guess what? They play in a conference that allows them to play three game series against top 10 opponents more often than basically anyone else. Um, you know, UL put together, and I tweeted this yesterday, and it's been getting a decent amount of traction compared to some of my other tweets, um, that Jerry Glasgow essentially assembled the hardest schedule humanly possible for the Cajuns, and they navigated that schedule to a 46-13 and record. They won the Sunbelt regular season title once again. By the way, a wildly improved Sunbelt conference that ranks 5th in RPI or maybe 6th in RPI amongst all conferences. They backed it up with another tournament title in the Sunbelt, their fourth in a row. Um, they won 17 games against top 50 opponents. I think that's the one that gets glossed over for me, and I don't understand why the committee said, well, this year it only matters what you do against the top 10, because also, as we know, baseball and softball are sports in which games can be won or lost by top, by top teams more often than, you know, let's say football or basketball even, where you have typically your top teams are going to win more games than not. So basically all this emphasis put on top 10 games, when again, that's not the usual that's not the rule here that's the exception this season where they decide to emphasize it I understand the Cajuns went two and ten against top 25 opponents that gets pointed out a lot well seven of those losses of their top 25 losses were to top 10 teams not all top 25 losses are created equally and four of those losses were to top five teams the best teams in the country you know who beat UCLA this year not many they were 52 and five Florida State was 50 and eight so the Cajuns losing games to those teams. You know who else lost to Florida State? Clemson. They got swept by them. They lost it all three times. They had three chances to beat Florida State. They never beat them. Um, and Clemson, look, I don't want to pick on Clemson. I, I like Clemson in generally. And their softball program, actually, it's a great story. They're only five years old or so in softball, and they've kind of put together and turned themselves into, so far, pretty much a powerhouse in softball. Um, they went 46-9, and nine, and they play in the ACC. So you might immediately say, wow, I mean, that's why they're hosting. They're playing in a power conference, and they went 46-9 and nine against it. Except that the ACC was kind of down this year. Florida State was great. Duke is really good. And Clemson's pretty good. And outside of that, there's not much going on in the ACC. Um, Clemson's schedule, strength of schedule was 56th in the country. And that's including their conference schedule that's supposed to boost it up. For the Cajuns, it was 15th, even factoring that in. Third in the non-conference, whereas Clemson was 53rd. The Tigers had four wins against top 25 opponents. So two more than the Cajuns. Um, and... Again, they play in the, in the ACC. They didn't have to schedule those games by themselves. Those games were handed to them, and they got beat by Florida State three times. The biggest number for me when you compare Clemson to UL, first of all, RPI, UL's 11, Clemson 14. But Clemson had nine wins against the top 50. They were 4-7 and seven against the top 25, 5-1 against the top 50. So a five, uh, essentially a 9-8 and eight record against the top 50 competition. The Cajuns, as I mentioned earlier, had 17 wins against that same mark. 17 and 10 record against the top 50. So essentially, Clemson was rewarded for winning two more top 25 games, but basically 
racking up the majority of their other wins against RPI 51 and above teams. 17-1 record against teams ranked between 101 and 200 in the RPI. Uh, that's actually more wins than the Cajuns had, even though they play in the so, quote-unquote much worse Sunbelt Conference. Cajuns only got 15 of their wins against teams between 101 and 200, and only three games against teams 200 and above in the RPI, whereas Clemson had four. So there's just a lot of things like that, and I'm, I'm, I'm kinda, I had to pick one to kind of analyze there, the comparison of the resumes. Mm-hmm. But it just speaks again to the, the fact that you've also talked about a committee that said, we want to reward teams for going out and scheduling hard, right? That's what they've said in the past. When the Cajuns went 52, I think they went 51 or 50, 50 and 5 in the regular season, um, what, four years ago in 2019, and did not host. And the committee said, you didn't play a tough enough schedule. You didn't play those out-of-conference games that, that were really challenging to you, so That's you're correct. not going to host. That's so then Jerry Glasgow said, okay. I will literally schedule the hardest non-conference schedule put together in softball history, or close to it, right? I'm going to go to the Florida Clearwater Tournament, and I'm going to play every top five opponent I can get my hands on. I'm going to play Baylor and a and I'm going to travel to them midweek late season, which is not something teams do because I need games. I'm going to schedule home and homes with LSU. I'm going to schedule home and homes with Ole Miss. Um, and he did that and then navigated that schedule to a 46-13 and 13 record, and the committee said, you didn't have enough top 10 wins. And so I just the goalposts move constantly. It's not mm-hmm. new. It's not surprising. So my answer to the poll question today, it wouldn't be that. I think it would probably be the LSU thing because that was more surprising that the baseball team blew the lead. Uh, the selection committee ignoring the Cajuns' merits to host is not surprising at all. And again— And we had a discussion yeah. during the season where I told you that the national perception of the Sunbelt Conference is not— based in reality. And I think it showed once again because they did not value at all what the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and Jerry Glasgow's team was able to do in conference play. And I think even in the tournament, we knew Texas State, who, by the way, did get recognized with an at-large bid. Happy for them. But only two teams got in. Yeah, South Alabama did not. And I think we saw in the tournament that Marshall, a team that got a lot of hate all season for their scheduling and their strength of schedule and things like that, Marshall showed you in the tournament how good they were, and I think that just spoke to how improved and deep the Sun Belt is in comparison to years past. And like I understand in years past, there's this like feeling about, and I said this in the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga, there's always been this thing, well, Gonzaga plays nobody in conference play. It's such a weak Correct. conference, they dominate it. But then the West Coast has gotten a lot better in the past few years, but we just still go with, well, the West Coast the is bad. The perception is what the, and that's, why, and that's what I've said before. And look, we, we had the text thread yesterday about this. I understand the frustration, but as I said earlier, I'm 44 years old. I've seen this dog and pony show before. They change the goalpost because they can, because it suits what they want to do. The Sun Belt was better this year. Marshall may not have played all those good of teams, okay? but Marshall was a good softball team. If you saw Marshall play at the Sun Belt Conference Tournament, that was a very good team that didn't get in. They won a bazillion games and didn't get into a regional. And I would even say with Marshall, it's okay, though, because the RPI was built for a reason, and that's another point that I didn't really get to so far. The RPI was built to factor all these things we're talking about in, right? But they're not even utilizing the RPI. And that's my issue. Now, they used it with a situation like Marshall. They said, I know you have a ton of wins, but you don't have the RPI. Once again, But they don't utilize it at the top. It also goes back into the narrative of, as I said before, during the season, they don't respect the Sunbelt Conference. For sure. So they use the RPI argument against Marshall to keep them out of the field. And so... Right? But they didn't use it against other teams. And 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 this is par for the course. For sure. 
And and you bring up a great point. What motivation does Jerry Glasgow have now moving forward to say, okay, I scheduled immensely tough competition. And we did fairly well against the competition. Yeah. If they would have look, if they would have won that UCLA game, if they would have won the Arkansas game, if they would have won one of those games, would have made a difference. I don't think it would have. Okay? Because based on where they're seated, I think they probably, the committee viewed them as the 20th or 21st best team in the country. You say maybe 17, 18. They're still not hosting a regional. And I don't think one win makes that much of a difference, even against a top 10 opponent. Yeah. And so, yeah. Because once it got to the point, once you and I, once again, we talked about this earlier, you texted me. Once they announced Alabama was a regional host, well, not just a host, but where they were as the number five national seed. Number five national seed. I'm, I turn to my wife and I go, Dawson just texted me just because what does that mean? I says the Cajuns aren't hosting. We were at my brother-in-law's house for a Mother Day, Mother's Day event. And I turned to her and I said, they're not hosting. She goes, how's that pop? I go, they're not hosting. They're not hosting. It's frustrating if you're a Cajun fan because it moves the goalpost constantly. And I get it. And it sucks. There's no other way to say it, right? If you're a Raging Cajun fan, you're pissed off. I get it. And the perception is about the conference is what it is, and they don't really respect the Raging Cajuns. They just don't. They, they, they just don't. The, the program doesn't have the respect it did maybe five or six years ago. Now, people change on the committee, right? Time has changed. The Cajuns haven't done themselves any favors by not making it to a Super Regional to help change that perception. But here's the deal. As mad and as negative as everyone is today about this, and I understand why, you go win the Baton Rouge Regional, it doesn't matter. Yeah, no, right. and it's it's a, it's a great opportunity, and we're actually I'm sh- we're going to talk a lot about that regional. I wanted today to be reaction about the the process it was. That's for fair, me. and I agree because here's the other thing: if I'm LSU, I'm not thrilled either today. Yeah, no, they certainly okay. Certainly oh, got better you draws. Get, oh, you get to host. Oh, you get to face a team that you split with during the regular season, a team that you have faced a ton, and a team that beat you in your place this year. Remember, the split was. Cajuns beating them at Tiger Park, LSU beating them at Lampson. That's how it went down this year. So if you're LSU, you're like, oh, great, we get to host. We get to host this team? Like this team is in our regional? I'm not thrilled today if I'm Beth Trina and her team. So I think they did a disservice to both the LSU Tigers and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. But you're right. Tiger Park is a tough place for the Cajuns to play. It's tough to beat LSU there. Twice, especially in a weekend. Twice in a weekend. I've covered enough of those to see that happen firsthand. So I've got I've got two more things about the selection process. And then one thing I will say, I saw some, you know, Cajun fans or just general fans that were kind of questioning LSU's merits as a regional host. I don't I don't have any questions about that. LSU had nine top twenty five wins and twenty one wins against the top fifty. Um, I know it wasn't as pretty as it's been at times for them in the past, but I think they still put together a really good season. That and was, they were bounced early from the SEC tournament. So I get a lot that of too. Yeah, that but argument, I think yeah. their resume was certainly host worthy. I don't think I think they both should have been host. But the last two things I'll say, um, again, back to my point about the RPI being where it was. When you say, "Oh, there were two and ten against top twenty-five opponents," again, that's so easy to pick apart without looking at context. Seven of the ten were top ten opponents, and by the way, 
the reason they're you go well how are they number 11 if they were top you know if two if they were two and 10 against top 25 opponents because the RPI factors in the the level of the strength of schedule within the top 25 it factors in oh their law four of their losses were to UCLA Florida State Oklahoma State the best teams in the country we get that that's why it vaulted them up to 11 and the last thing I'll say is We've also heard from the committee in the past, and we've heard specifically this in football at times and softball as well, go out on the road and play and, and win games on the road. We value road wins. That really shows us something. Texas is a regional host. I don't know if a ton of people are questioning that they should have been a regional host. Texas played 14 games on the road this season. They went 7-7. Seven and seven. The Cajuns played 26 games on the road, went 20-6, and six, including wins at Tiger Park, wins at Florida. But a team like Texas, because they have a name brand, they play in the Big 12 and they play a really good schedule, they don't have to play road games. The committee says we don't we don't need you to. Correct. They only played 14 road games. So Texas essentially, and you figure a, bu- a bunch of Big 12 games had to be road games, they essentially played no non-conference road games. Maybe one or two games, and the committee goes, you're 7-7. Seven and seven. Well, but, oh, but Texas won seven top 25 games, so they're a host, no doubt. Again, a team, by the way, that only had 10 wins against the top 50, whereas the Cajuns had 17. But Texas is a host, Cajuns are not. That's the end of my rant. Uh, good morning to everyone across Acadian. <laughs> It was very mild mannered. I was, I thought for sure yesterday that this morning it'd be a little bit more filled with uh, 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 foot. Look, I got some steam off on Twitter, and and I'm thankful for a lot. Of, I got a lot of good interaction last night, and I was happy to see some people agreeing with me. Uh, even had some some people that are Florida State softball fans that commented in as well. They you know they follow the sport closely with how good that program is, um, but. No, it's just it again. It's not surprising, but I won't stop fighting for what I believe in. Okay. Oh, don't stop believing, bud. Don't stop believing. We gotta take a timeout. Want to turn? Hey, you know what? Open phone lines. Game hotlines open three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. That's three three seven seven zero six zero one one one. You're listening to the game. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Do you think RP3 is the only nickname Ray has? Think again. There was Little Vainant. There was Little Foot, Little Bubba. There was LD, which stood for Little Dufo. There was Ray Dog. There was Ray Diggity Dog. There was Fish. There was Fish Face. There was RP3. There was even Ramundo from El Segundo. Back to the host with more nicknames than he knows what to do with. RP3, right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, uh, we only got a couple minutes here before we bring on Coach James Landrino, the Meet Nice softball skipper, will be joining us. Uh, D1 Baseball has released their updated standings this morning, and after dropping two or three to Mississippi State, including scoring 13 runs yesterday and losing the rubber match, LSU is all the way down to five. Are they going to mess around and not be a national seed? They've got uh, they've got a little work to do, and again, just for the clarification for people, because I know sometimes this terminology gets a little national seed would imply one through eight, because that would imply that you would host regionals and super regionals. Correct. They're pretty comfortably going to be a regional host, one through sixteen. But that national seed of being a top eight and ensuring that you that the road to Omaha runs through Alec Box Stadium, so to speak, that's they've got maybe a little work to do there. They can't just you know continue to lose the last SEC series and then go two and done, then then they'd be in trouble. But again, I mean, I think. 
They'll have I, a chance to rebound here. I, I think they'll rebound against Uga and then win at least a game or two at the SEC tournament in Hoover, but we'll see. We, we only got like a minute, but uh, can we give a shout-out to Jason Day? I, I know. Great, I mean, what a performance on a Sunday, too. Uh, shot 9 under 62 yesterday to win the, the Byron Nelson Championship. Uh, it's been a rough go of it for him for a long time, right? His last win was 105 starts ago at the 2018 Wells Fargo Championship. He took his first outright lead from a large group of contenders when he broke a tie at 20 under with hometown favorite Scotty Scheffler with a chip in for birdie at the par 4-12 yesterday. Second toughest hole of the week. He got the job done, wins for the first time since 2018. He has dealt with severe health issues, including his back and his late mom's battle with cancer, which she lost. So Jason Day, I always pulled for him. I always liked him. And he was somebody that you can't help but not root for. He wins the Byron Nelson Championship at TPC Craig Ranch there in McKinney, about 30 miles north of Dallas yesterday. Shout out to him for that. Yeah, and also it's it's not just winning a tournament like that, but it's beating one of the world's best golfers right now, top two in the world in Scotty Scheffler yep. to do it and also heading into the PGA Championship this week there's a lot of different guys that have some interesting storylines heading in and we'll see if Scotty Scheffler is a contender as we expect him to be there's there's going to be some interesting things going on and we'll we'll maybe get a chance to talk about that later in the week with the uh, golf's second major this week and Jason's been playing well it p- played off yesterday with the win we got to take a timeout when we return McNeese Cowgirls coach James Landrino will join us live right here on the game this is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. This is RP3 and Company, live from the Evco Development Studios in Upper Lafayette on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Another stellar season for the McNeese Cowgirls. The softball program based in Lake Charles is going back to an NCAA regional yet again. They capped off their season by winning the conference tournament in dramatic walk-off fashion. They've earned the number three seed in the Seattle regional. And that'll be hosted by the national seed Washington, a team, by the way, the McNeese Cowgirls defeated during the regular season. They'll start their action on Friday against Minnesota, the Golden Gophers. And to break it all down for us is the man in charge of the McNeese Cowgirls program. James Landrino joins us now. Coach, good morning and congratulations, brother. How are you? Good morning, man. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having us. Doing great. I'm doing great. So I got to ask, man, um, you know, with all these regional trips, you must be uh, getting all the frequent flyer miles these days. (laughs) <laughs> I wish that was the case, man. I wish that was the case. We're, we're happy. We're we're happy to be in this situation every year. Well, let's let's go back to the conference tournament. Yep. Uh, you you leave no doubt of punching your ticket to the NCAA regionals. There was some talk of you guys were going to be good enough and had a good enough resume to get in as an at large, but you didn't leave anything to chance, and you win it in dramatic walk off fashion. 
just uh, tell us what was going through your head in that at bat and uh, for your team in that moment. Oh, you know, hey, lucky I'm not the one hitting right there, right? He's raining at the plate, and you know we called a timeout, just kind of slow down the momentum right there. I thought I thought Southeastern's pitcher KK Latner was was excellent all day, and uh, could we couldn't square it up too well, and. Um, you know, Reese got in there, just kind of slowed things down a little bit, looking for a little off-speed pitch, and she's able to get one and puts puts a good swing on it, you know. And, um, you know, walk-off fashion, eight innings is, you know, it's kind of like a storybook, right? Uh, you can't write you can't write things that good sometimes. So it, excited for our kids in the moment. I thought both teams played hard, and our, our kids were competing all day, all weekend. I thought they competed well, and, in the last three weeks of the season, I, I felt like our team was maturing every week. And just to kind of see it all come out was a, a good feeling to know how much work and time they put into it. Uh, Reese's hit was only the second hit in the entire game for your ball club. I mean, it's yeah. just it, it doesn't get much better than that. And, uh, you know, obviously she comes up huge. But what did you tell her But when she grabbed the bat and went out to the uh, went out there? Oh, I would just say, hey, girl, just say, hey, I slow this thing down. I said, this has been a quick inning. Let's take the, the biggest thing, Reese, is just calm down a little bit. That's all we're trying to do is say, just take a deep breath. You've trained for these moments. Uh, don't try to do too much. Just find a good pitch, something that, that you see well over the wider plate. And, um, you know, I, I felt like she'd been trying a little hard the whole game, it, you know, trying to, to force the issue. I was like, let's let the game come to you. That's what she did. I mean, she she was able to stay in the moment right there and kind of relax and just look for a good pitch to hit. She laid off a good uh, 0-0 pitch that was down in the zone and then was able to get something that was elevated in the zone and put a good swing. While you had that going on, obviously a great moment there to, to win it in walk-off fashion and to win the tournament and punch your ticket to an NCAA regional. Uh, but let's give credit. You, you wouldn't be in that position if it wasn't what the young lady in the circle did for you. Yeah, she scattered seven hits, but she was magni- magnificent for you in the circle. Tate's such a competitor. You know, every time they, they you know, seem to get some kind of momentum, she's able to capitalize, take it away from them somehow. And, um, you know, that's what she does. That's what she, you know, that's what's good about having senior leadership in there. She's been battle tested. She's been in those moments many of times. And, and the, you know, you kind of see, you know, as soon as they square, hit a ball hard, uh, didn't phase her one bit. Her body language never changed. She stayed composed, and she got in and competed well. And um, and that, I'll be honest with you, that's what Whitney does. That's why we're so fortunate to have her. Her maturity over the years has, has gotten better every year. She's able to add some stuff to, you know, her pitching this year. And, um, man, it, it showed. Uh, I think our whole team has a ton of confidence when, when our pitch, you know, and all of our pitchers have done a really good job, and, and we have a ton of confidence behind them. But, you know, Whitney's been in a lot of big games for us, and uh, she she pitches a contact, and we seem to play, play great defense behind her. You win the conference tournament yet again. You leave no doubt about going back to the NCAA regional. What when you're sitting there and you guys had the the watch party uh, there at Mr. Bill's uh, Seafood Express over there in Lake Charles yesterday, you know. What's going through your mind when the tournament is getting revealed? Is there a level of anxiety? Is it are, are you nervous, or is it just you're just waiting for it to be over so you can figure out who to game plan for? Yeah, I think that's more of it. I don't think it's uh, 
I mean, obviously there's some anticipation, there's some excitement, right? So there's a ton of buildup to, you know, because everybody tries to predict. And I always, the one thing I've learned, been doing it long enough to where it does no good to predict because you're usually wrong. Um, so it, it's just exciting to see where we're going to go. Uh, you know, Washington was not something I, I was thinking. Uh, I don't think any of us were. I think that's why you saw how excited our kids are, you know, we always talk about the game's going to pay you back in a lot of different ways. And, you know, for us, we get to travel and play somewhere we've never played before. So it's exciting times for our kids, our fan base, and to get sent to a different region of the United States and play different competition. Um, but ultimately, yeah, there, there are some, you know, you, you're always curious. That I think that's kind of the fun part about the selection show is, is seeing where you're going to be and who you're going to be matched up with. And, you know, about 10 minutes after it's revealed, then your mindset switches to, hey, you know, how are we going to get there? When we got to leave? When we got to practice? How, how are we going to get everything going? Uh, you know, today we have some of our our seniors didn't get to walk on Friday. So we'll do a little graduation ceremony for them this morning. And then um, after that, we'll be able to get to work. Well, Coach Dawson Eiserler here. First off, congratulations to you. And, and I wanted to ask you about a team, being in a regional with a team that you've played before this season. Now, you guys aren't necessarily new to that. You've been in regionals with LSU and UL before where you'd played them during the season. But how does that change your preparation when you're going to a regional? And I guess you've probably only seen one of these teams, and then you got a couple of new ones in Minnesota. Does that change the way you prepare? Well, uh, I, I think that the only difference is you actually have some, a little bit more physical stuff that, that you've done when you played them the first time to see if it worked or not and kind of game plan from there and see what kind of adjustments they've made. Uh, I think it, but it's equal on both sides, right? We both play each other. So we both have information on each other, live hand. So um, I, don't, I don't know if it's a ton different, you know, the bit, the biggest thing for our players is just to remind them that, Hey, you know, it, it's, it's a new game. It's like everything else. You're playing somebody else again. And so what you've done in the past is irrelevant. It's what you do from here on out. And so, um, but the, the biggest thing for us is, you know, can we get ready for a Minnesota team? And that kind of get, and that's the mindset today. we got to get away from, hey, we're going to play somebody in this regional that we played before. Because bottom line is we don't play them. We, we play Minnesota. If you want to play Washington, it goes through Minnesota. And, and that's where our focus needs to remain. How much does your team's experience in the regional last year and some of the success you had maybe didn't quite get over the hump, but we're right there in it. And a lot of the, you know, a lot of returning faces from that team having that experience, how much does that help in a regional situation? Yeah, I think it does. I think it, it's they're able to pass on information, just how to get ready. They are able to pass on the information and what this team is, how just to enjoy the moment, not at the moment, get too big for you. Right. It's the same thing we've been doing all season. You're playing softball. You're playing against quality teams that we've, and we've been fortunate enough to play against quality teams all season. So I think you kind of – that they do a good job, our leadership, of forget forget the name that's across the chest and make sure our focus stays on McNeese, not not on our opponent. And I, I hopefully it carries over. And I think just, uh, you know, coming in, even for our young players that saw us play on that national scene last year and have a little success against Notre Dame, uh, it's, it's at least in their mind that it's been, been done before. And they know it's possible. And I think that's the biggest thing is our kids come in with a ton of belief. And I think that's what you're always trying to establish with your team is do you actually believe you can win? That this team has been mature all season. And, and they truly have – look, in some of the, the, the most difficult games, this team has stayed really, really loose. And that's probably been the most impressive thing for me. 
Coach, you've been doing this a long time. So what are some of the, the challenges from having to go play in a regional that's all the way across the country? I mean, uh, yeah, you're, it's not as if you can drive to Seattle in a day, right? So this is, <laughs> this is a cross-country trip. What are some of the additional challenges that come with doing that and taking part in a regional all the way over in Seattle? Yeah, I, I think the number one thing, the first thing is travel, right? It is, you know, this morning is trying to get our travel lined up. When are we going to actually leave? When are we going to get there? And then be able to come up with a game plan. You know, when, when you're within driving distance, you could, you know, you, you map out the, how long it's going to take you to drive and what time you need to be there. And that's pretty simple. So I think the logistics of trying to line up travel while still focusing on what we need to do to get our team ready are the two biggest balances right now because you know every coach wants to be in their routine they want to get there at a certain time they want to have their meetings at a certain time we you know we're going to know what time we practice i think we practice 11 45 on thursday so it's a matter of what time can we get in on wednesday uh, can we get a practice in before we have to get on the bus and, and get to the airport so those are the kind of things especially for us it's different because we don't fly anywhere during the season so this is new. You know, I guess schools that, that fly every weekend, it's not as, as big a deal for them, but it, it, it is a new challenge for us. We'll wrap it up with this, Coach. You know, last year you proved that you could hang with anyone in a regional setting, especially in a hostile environment like that against a quality program, and that's that's facing you yet again. But you're going to have to do it with not a lot of fans. I mean, there's going to be people that are going to come out and support you. They're going to fly out there, just like they did last year when they went to the Evingston Regional. Yep. Uh, is that the part that's disappointing, that you won't have as many uh, folks rocking the Cowgirls gear there in the stands <laughs> cheering you on at a regional? Or is that maybe something you use as an advantage to kind of sharpen your team and be like, you know what, it's us against the world? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, we, we use that a lot, I promise you. <laughs> um, it, you know, it is. It, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword because I, I tell you, guys, this weekend in Lake Charles, it, it was electric to play in front of that fan base. Um, probably, you know, I've been here for a while, like you said, and this weekend was, was the most energy I've ever seen from our fan base, and our kids loved it. You feed off of it. It was great. So now getting on the road in a bigger in a bigger stage and probably you know definitely gonna have less fan support able to come out there. Uh, but but you know at the end of the day is it can you know our team does a great job of staying focused on what's between the lines, and that's what it's gonna matter. You know uh, as much as we'd love to have them there, the facts are it it is what it is as they would say. They're not gonna be, you know we're not gonna have as many people, but I know the people that do come are gonna be passionate. They're going to be in there, but we know we have people watching back home, and that's kind of going to be our mindset is, you know, do what we can to make everybody proud that's watching. How you do that, you play hard between the lines and take care of the ball. Coach, appreciate your time as always, brother. Congratulations on yet another conference tournament title and getting into an NCAA regional. Appreciate you, man. Best of luck in your trip to Seattle. Always, man. Thank you guys for having me. Go, folks. This is RP3 and Company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. 
seriously. How many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. want to thank our two guests today to help us kick off this Monday edition of RP3 and Company. We only went two today because we had a ton to get to. It was a busy weekend. Jeff Plarmo from Tiger Rag Radio talking about the state of the LSU baseball team. Uh, that bullpen is no good. Just, just pull ball. And also thanks to James Landrado, the McNeese head softball coach. Shout out to coach. Um... This is what they had to do last year. Remember, they had to go all the way up to Evingston outside of Chicago for the Northwestern Regional. They play North, Northwestern was the host. It was there in Evingston. This year, they have to go to Seattle, which I do believe Kevin Foote lovingly refers to as China. That is a bit of a bear because you're not going to have fans there. I mean, there will be some diehards that will get the plane tickets to go, but, oh, man. Like, they don't fly. Like, he told you. They didn't fly at all this season. Not at all. They don't have to. They usually just bus. But they're going to get on an airplane and go out to Seattle. Poll question of the day. What was the weekend's biggest surprise? 42% of you say LSU baseball losing the series to Mississippi State. 28% of you say UL softball not hosting a regional. 18% of you say the Suns firing Monty Williams. NBA is a weird place right now with coaching. 12% 12% say UL baseball sweeping Texas State. It was a huge weekend for Matt Deggs' team, for sure. Huge weekend. And look, they put themselves in a position now. They've already clinched a berth into the conference tournament. It'd be great if they could go and win the series against Southern Miss, who's won 13 straight. But even if they don't, you know, you just like to see them go play well in Hattiesburg, right? That's the whole thing. Just go play well. Maybe steal a game. Maybe steal a game. And then see what can happen for the conference tournament. Because as we know, that's the baseball's the great equalizer. I keep saying it because anything can happen. The Cajuns weren't supposed to win the conference tournament a year ago, and they did. Ole Miss wasn't supposed to go all the way and win the College World Series last year, and they did. Baseball is funny, man. You get hot at the right time. You get hot at the right time. It's all that matters. It's all that matters. Dilo, how do you feel we did today? Good. Feel better. We covered a lot of ground. You feel better now that yeah, we, we yeah. talked about no, the seating okay. process? I know, buddy. Yeah. I know. I know. It's frustrating. I'm not telling you not to be frustrated. Would not dare to tell you not to be frustrated because mm-hmm. you have every right to be. I just wasn't surprised. That no, the committee screwed again, it yeah. all up. Surprised isn't the adjective. It's, it's <laughs> as more soon about as, the frustration. And once again, as soon as they announced Alabama was the number five national seed, I was like, game over. <laughs> I was like, game over. Cajuns are not hosting. And my wife goes, why? And I go, they just said it on the special. Look at all the top ten wins Alabama had. And D-Lo texted me and I said, yep, not going to host. And then when I didn't see LSU after nine, I was like, yep, LSU's going to get the host and the Cajuns are going to be playing in Baton Rouge. And my wife's like, no, they're not. I said, yes, they are. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. 
That's going to do it for today's edition of RP3 and Company. We'll be back on tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game.